Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpen on Rugby podcast. HarpenOnRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with write-ups of all the big matches and regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts as well as a host of other platforms. Since the only senior rugby last weekend was the 1872 Cup clash between Glasgow and Edinburgh, this is the perfect week to introduce the Scottish representative on our Lions Selector panel. Edinburgh fan Sandy Smith joined me to talk about his 15 for the Test Series, that match in Scottstown, plus what Nick Room might have been thinking about just before halftime. So without any further ado, here's how we got on. Now it's time for our back and forward chat and joining me this week is someone returning to the pod after giving us an opposition view back in November 2020 ahead of Edinburgh's visit to the RDS and the Pro 14. He's known on Twitter as at the Berg Watch. Welcome back to the pod, Mr. Sandy Smith. Uh, evening, Jeff. Good, good to see you. Yeah, good, to, good, good to have you back, sir. Well, um, we've had um, we've had three Irish selections so far. We had an English one last week, so you're you're representing Scotland this week. So um, why don't we why don't we crack on and, and see what see what fifteen you have for us? Sure. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll run through them if that's okay, and then I'll, I'll maybe explain why yeah. some of them are there. So uh, fifteen, Stuart Hogg. Okay. Yep. Uh, Fourteen, Johnny May. Thirteen, Henry Slade. 12, Owen Farrell, boo. Yeah. Uh, 11. That's uh, actually his real name. Not many people know that. <laughs> yes, it's a double barrel. <laughs> uh, 11, uh, uh, Duhan van der Merwe. And 10, Finn Russell. And 9, John Cooney. Very good. So uh, I'll, I'll go back to the way. Cooney, I, I've, I've selected. Partly because I just I really like him. I think he's a fantastic player, and also because I think it's probably the most problematic position at the moment for the whole the whole line setup. There's yeah. nobody who's who's really starting for any of the home nations, really putting their hand up at all. I don't think, to be honest. So, uh, um, and a, a, a firing John Cooney is a is a wee bit left field, but I think he could do a, a cracking job there. Um, Ben Russell, it's fairly obvious, he's just probably the most exciting fly half anywhere in world rugby at the moment and, and the most unpredictable. Uh, so that's a, uh, I just can't see past them. Uh, others, again, you know, there are other choices, obviously, but uh, um, they, don't, they don't float my boat. Um, uh, centres, um, as much as we all like to Mr. Mr. Farrell, he is uh, a quality operator and is um, uh, even without the use of the arms, is as hard as nails in that in that 12, 12 spot. Um, uh, and uh, I really like Henry Slade. I, I like him for Exeter and I like him for England as well. As sad as that, as sad as that is. Um, the, the two wingers, Johnny May, it's fairly obvious. He's uh, just rapid in quality. Um, um, uh, and on the left wing, I would go for um, again a kind of left wing, left field. Duran van der Merwe, who I think is, has the who has the potential to be, um, you know, uh, uh, one of the one of the top players. Uh, and he's he's taken the international rugby very quickly, um, and uh, uh, you know is moving on from us at the end of the season. So uh, it's only I think his trajectory is only only upwards. And, It'd be interesting to see him against his, uh, if you like, his former countrymen. So mm-hmm. um, that would be it. And then obviously, 
Again, uh, Hoggett fullback because I think again he's his game has stepped up considerably with, with the move to Exeter. Still makes the odd mistake, as we know, um, but uh, um, there are few as good coming into the line uh, in attack as uh, as Hoggett, and he has he does have the most uh, phenomenal boot on him uh, to you know in that position. I mean, he always there is a there's always a criticism that. Um, He's not a great tackler, but I, I, having looked at that in the past, I don't think he is any worse or any better than anybody else who's the last line of defence Yeah, I mean, one of the, um, like, this is, like I say, the fifth of these selections we've had. And, like, you know, part of the whole discussion behind it is, like, well, how are you going to approach the series? How are you going to approach three games against the Springboks? And, um, you know, do you, do you match beef with beef? Or do you do you try to go for some something more creative? And this is and we've been tending to go. Well, maybe the better way to go is a bit of guile, a bit of unpredictability. And uh, you certainly you certainly have that in the halfbacks. I mean, I can't. I mean, it's really that's a really exciting pairing. The thing about Cooney for Ireland that we found is that um, you know he finally got his chance for the national team. But the problem is he wasn't allowed to play the way he plays. Um, he started with um, under a system that was a very rigid system. You must box kick before anything else. You must do this, that, and the other, which was fine if the guy doing it believes in it and can do it. But he's a guy who just, you know yourself, he likes to just pick it up and go if he sees half a sniff of a, of a break. And um, to have him and Russell together would be would be something that would they, 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 they wouldn't know what hit them, um, really, if they, could, if they were both on song on the day. Yeah, I mean, I'm of the opinion. I always wondered whether it was Cooney. It was just the fact that uh, when he first sort of burst on the scene, or I first became aware of him, he was already, I think, 28 or 29. So, and uh, you know, obviously with Conor Murray reaching probably getting to the end of the road, they were looking for somebody for you were looking for somebody for the for the next generation. And I don't know that as somebody who's already 29 years old, you're yeah. looking for somebody a bit younger, you know. Um, but that, that's not really relevant for a Lions tour because it's just, you know, it's, it's you know, three, three tests. That's what it is. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a, bit of a, a bit of a romantic when it comes to it as well. I won't, I mean, admittedly, you, you know, you're up against one of the biggest and toughest sides in the world. But I want to see that from the Lions. That's the kind of rugby I want to see. I want to see, you know inventive play I don't I, I don't want it to be I don't want it to be pragmatic I don't want it to be um, winning you know by a a, a a drop kick in the, the 81st minute as it comes you know have them trudge to a 10-7 win you know I, I want to see fireworks mm-hmm. and, and that would, that's why I, I certainly pick a side that would, I would hope certainly in the, in the backs would, would provide fireworks so that's my yeah, and um, I mean, and putting Duhan on the wing, I mean, that no one's picked him yet. Um, but that's still, I mean, you say it's out of left field, but that is kind of a Lions kind of thing to do, um, yeah. to, bring, to bring someone in like that that you wouldn't have, wouldn't have necessarily, and someone who's strong, he's someone who can, you, who can provide the finish when you need it in the corner and, you know, get past tacklers and stuff. And like, I mean, that would be, a, that's a, that's, that's a, it's a definitely strong option. I mean, you, you're right about May, uh, the center, um, what we've had so far, we've had Slade before we've had Farrell before in the center and they're used to working together so that'd be a good combination yeah. I mean that's a that's a that, that that's a good backline there I have to I, I have to say so um so let's move into the forwards now and see where we're going starting with one 
Yeah, so uh, Lucid, Rory Sutherland, um, uh, Hooker, I'd have Luke Cowan Dickey, um, uh, Tad Furlong, if fit, obviously, I know we're sort of playing, playing a game here, um, uh, Maro Atoji, James Ryan, uh, Tom Curry, Justin Tipperick, and again, I'm going back to my old uh, Exeter, and I'd like to see Sam Simmons as a is the number eight. So, I mean, again, uh, Rudy Sullivan, I think it's just the on form. We said, you know, all through the Six Nations, all through the Ottoman Internationals. Um, so he and uh, is a tremendous scrummager. So I think that's, and with my with my inherent bias, that's definitely my choice. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Um, Kevin Dickey, every time I've seen him play for Exeter, is just an abrasive character. Um, uh, scores tries, just as a real real animal, I think, on the field. Uh, um, again, in the, and in the absence of um, England's other, yeah, Jamie Jorby's second division rugby, if you like, I, I really like Luke Cowan Dickey, and that would be my, I mean, I can't think for a second he's going to be, but that would be my choice. Okay. Um, like for long, I just think he is, obviously, when he's fit, is the, is the uh, best tight head in the Northern Hemisphere, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Maru Atoji again uh, he, he's one of these guys who if he's in your team you probably love him um, and if he's against you you, you you won't like him one little bit um, uh, and there's no doubt he's a, a, a test match animal and, uh, and will be uh, uh, you know right in their faces the whole time um, so again uh, James Ryan again I just like, like the way he plays um, uh, you know, big and athletic, which is what you want from you know from your second rows in this day and age. Uh, and I've kind of gone for a combination. My my back row is not the biggest at all. None of these guys are with the exception. I think um, uh, is a wee bit taller. Tom Curry and Sam Simmons are only just over six feet. But um, Simmons, I think, is just somebody who, if he was playing for anybody, uh, bar or he was. Uh, Eligible for any other nation other than England would probably be a, a starting date just about. Um, a, perhaps not, it perhaps wouldn't unseat Gregory Aldrich at France, but you know, other than that, um, and uh, <coughs> my other choice here, the one I had to really consider, think about was whether, whether Caelan Doris would maybe be an option there as well. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I chose, uh, I chose Simmons. Uh, Tipperick gets the nod, he's not. Probably been at his best, but I think you need an elder statesman, and I think uh, I think Alan Wynn has just probably got particularly when you've got better choices, more athletic choices in the second row. That's my that's my kind of senior man. And or was it a case you got you got that far down the selections? Got geez, I haven't picked a Welshman yet. I better stick one in. <laughs> that, that would be that would be a scurrilous rumor. I oh, know. I know. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been I've been guilty of that myself in the past. I'm like, geez, I better I better I pick an Irish team, and I'm like, well, I better stick someone Connaught in here sometimes. Otherwise, I'm <laughs> no, um, I don't I mean, I did. I kind of, to be fair, as I went through it, I was, you know, I went for the ones that, that were right in my head right away, and then yep. sort of filled, filled in the gaps, and uh, and uh, seven was one of the gaps, and I thought, you know, as much as I like, uh, the, there's loads of good options to be honest. I mean, even. Underhill in there, or um, uh, I think uh, Willis is plays on the other side. Yeah, well, but I mean, the, the English back row guys are just 
at the best at the moment. Yeah, I say it's, it's, as much as neither of us would want to say it. I mean, it's 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 going to be a it's going to be a kind of a top heavy English uh, selection. Um, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, that's just the way the form has gone. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's a that's a that, that's a great uh, tight eight as well. I mean, uh, like. Pretty much, Atoje and Ryan has been virtually unanimous so far amongst the selections, and I mean that's that's pretty much that's almost a given. Almost, um, uh, yeah. Elsewhere there, the back the back row. I mean, geez, it just a, I mean, we, it just at Leinster every week we, we had trouble picking a back row. So when you go to to to, to national level and then to the Lions. I mean, it's just so much competition out there. You look at someone like Simmons, can't even get into the English setup. Yeah, and uh, just, it is crazy. Like, you know, it's not even being considered. But we wouldn't, I mean, you look at Warren Gatlin, Warren, that's not going to bother Gatlin. He'll say, like, I don't care who he's played for. If he, you know, all the better. He can come play with me and uh, and and he'll he'll be he'll be fine, you know. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see how that um how that shapes up. Yeah, that's a no, that's a great 15 there. Thanks for that. And um, when it comes to the actual series, how do, how do you see it panning out? I mean, would you would you be happy with the series in the Northern Hemisphere? I, I'm not. I, no, that doesn't. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's on the TV. I'll turn on the TV and watch it. But it doesn't it doesn't really appeal to me because the oh, I mean, historically, I know things are strange, but historically, it's obviously it's always been a tour and there's been you know, part of that's been engaging with the locals and, and doing all the stuff that, that goes along with it and, you know, living in hotels and tour videos and, and you know, pictures of pictures of players being eaten by lions and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So it just doesn't seem right and it doesn't... And I don't even imagine that that will hold the same attraction for the players because... You know, if, if they're staying in their home country, they'd be as well just to play for their home countries. Mm. It just doesn't, I'm not, it, I understand why it might happen, but to be honest, if we can't get, if we can't get this Rainbow Nations thing up and running, what chances are of the, the line, uh, South Africa coming here? It, it probably falls by the wayside for the same reasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a strange one. I mean, I hope, like you say, uh, if it's on, you'd watch it. Um, but just the thoughts of some of the players would be might even be sleeping in their own beds, like a few nights before the game. It's, it's just that that's not how it's supposed to be. Like you know, it's uh, it's very very strange. I like you say, it's a strange year. The rain, I, the Rainbow Cup, I don't think was ever going to happen. I think the day after they announced it, they they said that there was a, a new strain of the virus, both in the UK and South Africa. Uh, so that was just that was nixed. Um, so I don't think that was ever going to happen. The Lions shirt. Well, I mean, you're talking, you're talking the TV bucks. That's what it's going to be at the end of the day. I suppose they're going to want that. They're going to want to stage it any way they can to get their hands on that because putting it off to next year, you're talking too close to the World Cup, I guess. I, I don't know, but um, we're just we're, we're just going to have to wait and see and hope for the best. But um, no, that's great. Um, so listen. Uh Okay, what's oh well, that that that's a, that sound obviously means it's uh, the halftime of our podcast. Um, I think uh, think that means we move on to the Glasgow Edinburgh game. Um, we'll get into that particular incident pretty soon, soon enough. Um, but uh, what overall, overall, what did you make of it? I, it was a decent game, um, certainly a better game than the, the first leg. Uh, and I think, given I think it was the only game on that uh, last weekend. 
there was probably a larger number of neutrals watching as there, there, than there might have been. So I was glad that at least I was one. <laughs> there was some action on the field, you know, to to, to at least entertain for a wee bit, you know. Um, and I thought, to be fair, that the game could have gone and uh, could have gone either way. Um, there was a, I mean, certainly Edinburgh had a poor spell right after the in the start of the second half that probably derailed them. Yeah, no, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, I mean, I, I spoke about the, um, the the way the the, the halftime final. I'll come back to that, but uh, um, I just felt that we we kind of left it too late. Mm. Um, some some poor choices were made um, in the team. I thought we lost two players before the start. We lost Ben Poulos and, uh, and the young winger Jack Blaine. They were in, uh, injured in warm-up or training or something beforehand so there was last minute changes and and also not to have had um, a WP Nell starting on the tight was a I think was a a, a a tactical error on behalf of the coach because they, they had you in the scrums all right definitely yeah well yeah. And, and that was the kind of strange thing because that same more or less that same uh, well certainly the same Glasgow front row was the, was the front row that played in the last game when, um, when WP Nell was up against uh, Andy Hood. Mm. Um, in that first leg, he had Aki Sioli, um in the air, flying, or, or he's facing the duck. I mean, they were they, they dominated the scrum mm. in the first leg. Um, uh, Simon Bergen, international, but he is not the same scrummager that WP Nell is. Um, I mean, WP Nell came on uh, a game uh, earlier in the year against Scarlets and um, midway through the first half when somebody was injured and got man of the match. I mean, his, his scrummaging is just, and that was what it was for, it was just his scrummaging. Um, so that was a mistake. It was a tactical error, I think. Um, uh, even had the, had the other Glasgow loose head been playing, who was the first choice, still think Neil would have been a better option to start. It was his 150th game. He was probably looking forward to it, and, and he didn't get in there. So I thought that was that, that certainly was a big factor in it because at that point we had we had nothing in the scrum and we had nothing in the lineup because Richie Gray was destroying us in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, um, like, really but, like you like you say though, I mean, it wasn't much that could have gone either way. I mean, it was. Um, and, and like and from the neutral again, like you said, uh, it was it was it was entertaining to watch from start to finish. Not not just because of the little brain fart before halftime and before full time. Um, yeah. there, 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 there was a, there was a bit of both both ends. Um, but uh, just 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 on the rugby, like I mean, you had uh, Edinburgh. The, th the three tries uh, were were very impressive. There, there was two. Now there was two with an extra man, but you worked the space for the extra yeah. man really well, both the tries. But that second try was a beauty, Dean's, yeah. from the from the yeah. line out. I mean, just talk, talk, talk me through that. That was a, that, that was an excellent score. Yeah. It went, you know, went, through, went through a series of hands um, and a, you know, a cherry off the cherry from the line out, mm. I think it was. Um, a, Hamish Watson brought it through. From Watson uh, and... Uh, and then find the Dean at the end to go over a bit. There was two or three of that, that nature times, even though there was a couple they didn't score from that was had been actually very unlike Edinburgh of late, to be honest, to be able to be making those kinds of line breaks. Um, and it was interesting to see that. I think uh, Christine was actually um, on the club website on, at the start of the week now saying that, that that's something they had been working on, being more 
um, giving us a more attacking flair uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks because our, it's the um, it's only the second time this season we've scored three tries, uh, and uh, um, the last time we did it was against uh, Connaught, uh, and uh, all four that they scored back, it's still lost by the way, um, uh, were all you know from five yards. So you know three tries to be made by backs from running moves. Um, I think shows a big change in, or certainly on that game, a big change in direction. It was very, yeah, there, it was really well worked. It was uh, it was your man Cherry uh, storming through after the line now and then just threw a no-look pass. Like, it was nothing to him. I mean, he didn't yeah. even move his head and threw it to, to Watson. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm a big Hamish Watson fan. And it's uh, it's like he's, it, it. what I always say, I mean, about uh, number seven, if you play against a team and you're not, bitching about the opposition seven at full time. He hasn't done his job right. And he is one guy who is always, always in your face. And he does this as well. He gets yeah. in, he gets involved in a move like that as well. That's, that's a lot to bring to the table. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 in Scottish rugby circles, he gets referred to as pinball because it's, it, it, it seems to just bounce off people, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I think he dropped, he dropped one at one point, which, I think could have could have led to another another score. It was certainly in that neck of the woods. Yeah, I remember that. Jim Hamilton had just given him a compliment in the commentary box, yeah, right. so I think that that screwed him up there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was a great it was a great game. But then we um, at the first yellow card. Uh, what 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 did you make of that? The one to George Turner. Um, in live play, I couldn't see anything in that at all. Yeah. It, when you when you watched it. Um, with a sort of benefit of the TMO, you could see that he had moved, and 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 it was debatable, I think. But I don't think ultimately, I don't think you can argue with it that he moved into the player. And, and, yeah, and yeah, I think Adams, Adamson, Adamson, uh, I think he described it pretty well. It, 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 it's like he was entitled to stand there, but he wasn't entitled yeah. to, to drop his shoulder. So I suppose it was, and that it's the whole in the air falling down thing. You, you've got to, you have to take us. You have to up the sanction, I suppose, for that. So he kind of he kind of had no choice. But it was a, it was it was yeah. an unusual one. And there was another one in the second half that some I know a lot of I wasn't I didn't notice on Twitter at the time, but I presume a lot of people were saying that that second yellow card towards the end was harsh. But I I disagree. I think when there's a line break, when someone breaks through like that, um, and it's they get on the front foot at that first breakdown. If you slow down that first breakdown, that's the that's one of the reasons the yellow card is there for. And um, and I, I I think you do put yourself in that kind of territory. It was a brave call for a big game like that, but I don't know. Yeah, what you think. I, no, and I mean I totally agreed with that. I mean it was a it was a professional professional foul in the in the strike the sense of it, you know. And it, he, he knew exactly. He knew he knew he was that there was very little in the way of defence around him, and it was the only way to slow up. So I think that there's little or little other action you can take in that scenario that's that's fair to the attacking side who are were very clearly on the front foot at that point. Um, so, I mean, the, 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 obviously Edinburgh had one as well, and that was a bit, a, a, it was like, in a way, it was very much the same, in as much that, you know, it it was the way the player was not moving away from the, ba the, the base of the rock that slowed up the Glasgow attack. Mm. Um, you know, and you can see, on one hand, it was harsh, because he was, he was stuck, he was trapped, and all the rest of it, but... Um, They've been quite clear on these rules, so you, you, you know you, if you don't move away and you and you cause the thing to be 
to be slowed, you, you're going to get punished for it, and, and that's what happens. Yeah, that's it. No, I mean it was a it was a, it was a great game overall. Like you say, a hell of a lot better than the previous uh, the previous meeting. But um, just tell me a bit about the about how where the rivalry kind of sits between the two of them at the moment. I mean, it's, 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 it's hardly a Ranger Celtic level, um, but it's, I mean, it's a rivalry. It's a, it's a big game that they, they play for a cup now. I mean, how, yeah. how is it kind of handled by the fans? Like what, what, what kind of goes on when, when, when it comes that time of year? Yeah. I, it, there's probably, there's two, two camps really. There's the, we're all part of Scottish rugby. And if I'm not supporting Glasgow, I'm supporting Edinburgh camp or vice versa. Uh, and then there's also the other people who are a bit more like me, who um, we are civil <laughs> on the outside, but in reality we, we're, we're all about Edinburgh or we're all about Glasgow. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it, the situation is very much the same in all of the, the Celtic nations that mm. the, the, you know the, the unions hold the cards, uh, and it's probably even more so in Scotland. So the, the players all know each other very well. They all most of them end up in the Scotland camp together. Some of them played uh, academy rugby together. So there's, but uh, it, it is a genuine, there is a genuine uh, rivalry there that can spill over. I mean, there's, there, there's been proper fisticuffs in years gone by. There's been, you know, there's been, uh, I remember Stuart Hall getting yellow carded in one of these games uh, a few years back. So that it does get, it does get wound up and they do, and it, and like, a, like every rivalry going, it's also sometimes hard to pick a winner because form tends to go out of the window. Um, and that's, a kind of, I think that's not unusual in any um, derby match in any sport uh, across the world. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's been there. There's been, it's the oldest club rivalry, if you like, in world rugby, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, the cup was uh, 1872, and that's when it was first played for. Although they were they were districts at the time, but um, with professionalism, it's um, it's gone up a bit. There's uh, at the moment the the, the the Glasgow fans probably feel that they're obviously glad to get their win against us, but that there's been a lot of a lot of moaning about the players that they've signed or not signed, or the ones that they've left. Whereas obviously, just in the last. Just in the last couple of weeks, Edinburgh have uh, re-secured Hamish Watson, we've re-secured Jamie Ritchie. Um, they've uh, um, Kinghorn this week uh, as well, wasn't it? Kinghorn, yeah, uh, and there's also a couple of um, a, a Glenn Young coming in from uh, Harlequins at the end of the season, along with along with James Lang. So they they seem maybe a wee bit uh, we seem maybe a wee bit ahead in our in our uh, recruitment, um, whereas uh, Glasgow obviously signed Duncan Weir, which you know. In some circles, that's not been, uh, and Ian Keithley, that's not yeah. gone down quite well because they're both, both kind of at the latter tail of their. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was a good move for Keatley in that um, he just he, he had an unfortunate. He was in Italy and he was doing really well out there, but it just with the way the way it panned out with the COVID and everything, he just he, I guess he just had to move on and stuff. So it was great that he had somewhere to go. Um, there's so many like but here in Ireland, there's just so many tens coming through at the moment. I really don't know if any of the provinces. I'm, I'm sure he could have found somewhere to go here, but I don't know how much mm. rugby he would have seen. But um, he he. But it's strange that he's gone there. That you know, with Hastings and is it, yeah. 
and and all that and where and it's just I just hope I hope they I hope there's enough rugby for all of them, you know. But what do you see the um, what do you see the way forward now for Edinburgh now for the rest of the season? Do you see like, um, the, you know, it, it's does it just is it because it, it, there, there's two ways. If this Rainbow Cup doesn't happen, they're talking about going back to playoffs the the old way. So if that happens, that really that that really uh, put, puts you back in the frame, doesn't it? I think we, I mean, we're obviously our, our, our goal. I suppose there's three ways of looking at it. If, it. if it stays the way that it's only up to the round 16 and it's only the top side that competes for the, the knockout stages, then Edinburgh's goal is merely to get into the, the third spot to secure European rugby for next year. Mm. That's 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 doable. There's no, I can't see, you know, it might not happen, but it is doable. We're, although we've not had the the greatest start to the season were um, we're still uh, still under the shout, still got a couple of games in hand, um, so that that can easily that can easily change. Um, and I suppose it again, I don't know necessarily when if it comes knockout phases, then yeah, we could perhaps push for that as well if there is going to be that happening. Um, so there's that's part two that we, and we could make again, we could make third, we could make second because it's. There's a big there's a big drop off from first and, and conference B, that's that's for sure. So um and, and if well Rainbow Cup, who knows? But mm. you know, if that happens, um the the the, uh, the world say it's it's a whole new whole new world and we'll don't know how anybody's gonna get on in that, you would obviously expect it. The, the South African sides to do reasonably well, but um who knows? But it, it's not been for Edinburgh, say it's not been not been the best, and I think the way we're treating it is just to try and try and secure that European place um, uh, and see what so see what else can happen because they're obviously hard they're more or less there's no trophies to be won there apart from the apart from the 1872 Cup for the third leg if that actually happens. So um, for us, um, although potentially again uh, Champions Cup, it seems to be uh, seems to be. We were, we were going to be just going, I think, going into the Challenge Cup, but now potentially maybe going to the knockout stages of that as well. So, mm. uh, as one of the few teams that's actually played two games, so yeah, it's been out for us. Yeah, so there's lots to go for. Well, listen, just just before we finish off, just to go back to that game on Saturday night, do, do you have um, what, what are your thoughts on what happened to poor Nick Room at the end of the first half? Or did, did you well, I mean, it, it, I mean, it was only afterwards that the that you realised that that was what he was reacting to was the, was the I mean everybody heard the hooter of the train, um, but it was only a, a, and I know he, he took there was the odd bit of stick I saw that he got from you know we don't use a hooter here but I think we have to remember that he's I mean, he's, he's he's Australian who knows what they use it may be that there are some guys who use a hooter at halftime yeah um, but it was enough to confuse him I mean. It, I wrote about this not that uh, earlier in the week. It, it didn't cost, I mean, even though there was only one point in it, it didn't cost Edinburgh the game. There was a whole 40 minutes still to play. Yeah. Um, um, we, we had the same scenario uh, many World Cups ago when Gavin Hastings missed a penalty uh, in, England, uh, in England beat Scotland in the semi-final of the World Cup. But what everybody forgets is that he missed that, when, when he missed that penalty, there was still 30 minutes to play. So it's not, you know, it's not, that's not a, yeah. If it's in the, that's maybe different, but so I, I, you know, he, and he's, so, you know, 
you've got to laugh about it now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was running. He he was running one way, and he could he was facing a clock, and he saw the clock said thirty nine, but he heard the hooter, so it's like, what do I do? Yeah. And I suppose being a scrum half, you do the the honest thing is, okay, whatever time it is, get this ball away from me before I get clattered, because yeah. because uh, whether whether it was the half was over or not, he was going to get hit if he held on to it any longer. So uh, it, was, he, it was quite better for him to take it away. He was he was like a rabbit in the headlights, no, absolutely not no, no. Running backwards and forwards, it was uh, in hindsight, it was extremely personally. Yeah, and that, yeah, go on. That, that really obviously, it was a similar scenario at the end when Glasgow uh, tried to kick that penalty. And the, what were they the doing? Ball. And why did um, they? Why did they kick? Why did they kick the penalty? Yeah, what did was, they get out of that? Could have hit the post. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, that, I, I remember saying that at the time, and it, it was pointed out to me. I think that that it may have been that they thought it was going to be over two legs. And when it was over two legs, it was uh, an aggregate. it. But it's not been over two legs since for about five years now. Yeah. So you would have thought they would have maybe checked that out before they started. Oh, totally. We had a club. We had a the, the, the All-Ireland League final about five or six years ago. It went to extra time. And they were playing. And uh, they they... They had to be told, information had to get somehow onto the pitch while they were playing, that if they were still level after extra time, the team that scored first or it was the team that had the more tries or there was some reason why the team was still ahead. Yeah. So, so the, all they had to do was play at the game, but they didn't know going into it. It's, it blows your mind at that level. You know, it's, it's like uh, you, you think they would know what they're competing for or be told what they were competing for before they go on, but uh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it would have been... Uh, I mean, the obviously, with the, particularly with the first game only having been decided by three points as well, yeah. you know, so would, it would have been in the balance. And if you thought it was going to be over two games, that would have been, surely would have been in your mind, or oh, maybe better ask the question, is this two legs or three legs? But clearly not. No. Oh, well, like, you, like we said, I mean, it gave us some much-needed entertainment on the weekend yeah. where we were expecting... Um, um, uh, 24 7 European, the usual rugby uh fair for the European weekend, but in the end, we got that, and it was a, it was a, it was a great match, and it was a, and, and I enjoyed watching it. So, um, but listen, Sandy, thanks again for that. Um, we, we're good to have you on the panel. We're gonna have a Welshman next week, and then maybe later on, um, we can get you back on. Maybe if hopefully, fingers crossed, that the Six Nations happens, maybe get you on before the Ireland Scotland match, and um, we'll talk about that as well and see if your uh, selection has been updated at all. If that's okay. I'd be delighted to, to come on. Thank you, Jeff. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Sandy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Take care. That's it for this week. Thanks again to Sandy for the chat. So after hearing from five of our six selectors so far, we have one change to our combined 15 from last week. Sandy's choice of Slade at 13 gives him two votes overall in the center, putting him in a tie with Jonathan Davis, which means I get to make the call and I'm going for the Englishman, which means our team now reads like this. 15 Hogg, 14 Liam Williams, 13 Slade, 12 Henshaw, 11 May, 10 Farrell, 9 Murray, 1 Mako, 2 George, 3 Furlong, 4 Itoji, 5 Ryan, 6 Curry, 7 Underwood, 8 Falatau. We'll see if there are any more changes next week after we've heard from our Welsh selector. This weekend, we're back to Leinster action with a massive clash down in Thomond Park, so be sure to stay tuned to harpenandrugby.net for the usual coverage, and don't forget to hop on the Facebook page after the full-time whistle to leave your own opinion. In the meantime, stay safe everyone. Slán.